Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Michael Morrow, Ron Hayes, and Jason Lopez. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed. This one's kind of a special one. We get to catch up with a photographer that most of you know out in the field. We are in Wyoming South, chasing elk during the elk rut, and uh, we had a, a great morning and able to catch up with Eric Roof. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. You bet. I know we could all be shooting, but, you know, here we are. <laughs> and uh, Jason is with us this morning, this evening, this afternoon, whatever it is right now. Whatever time it is. <laughs> We've got chipmunks running <laughs> all around the area. We're actually in a, if you hear a little bit of uh, noise in the background, we're in a campground. Actually, it's not a campground. It's just a picnic area. Uh, where we're recording this podcast before we head back out to where the elk were or where we left them this morning. So Eric, again, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's been a long time that I've wanted to have you on here. And I know Mark, you and Mark have known each other for quite a while and uh, he's wanted to have you on as well. So I'm glad that we were able to catch you, even though Mark wasn't able to be here too. Oh, thank you. It's, it's an honor. I'm a big fan of the show and yeah, like you say, I've known Mark for 20 years probably, and Mike, not quite that long. So, yeah, some good friends. Great guys, in spite of their antics. They're, <laughs> they're great guys. Well, I think Mark would prefer to be here if he could get across the border. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> he could get to Wyoming. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, we usually put everybody on the spot right away on the podcast and ask what your favorite outdoor experience is. It doesn't have to be a photography trip, but I'm going to put you on the spot yeah. on a, a different route, and we're going to talk about your hat. Your uh, oh, the UNA nudist. What is it? Yeah, the the Beaver Creek nudist ranch hat. <laughs> <laughs> that's a got to be a story behind that. that that's a <laughs> that's kind of an iconic landmark in the drive as you go into the UNA mountains in Utah. And there's a, a sign that's been up for probably since the 60s or 70s. And all it is is a sign. But uh, everyone thinks otherwise, especially when they drive through there the first time. But some of the folks that own that produce some hats and shirts. And so I, I got a hat. So it, it was it's a conversation to, starter for sure. It was definitely <laughs> funny to see it in the field this morning. I yeah. can tell you that. Yeah. So let's go back then. What is your favorite outdoor experience? You've had... So for those of you that don't know Eric, he's been he's been in this for a long time, um, and his his images I guarantee you you've seen everywhere. I walked into a Cabela's one time, and there's three calendars in front of the Cabela's on these big racks. Every one of them, Eric Roof. So you've got to have some great stories. But what is your all-time favorite? You think? Oh, that's tough. Um, yeah, I've had the privilege to do a lot of trips and a lot of outdoor activities and in pursuit of this you know dream and I I love everything about North American wildlife as a kid I loved Clark Bronson the wildlife artist and his book North American Wildlife and thought that's what I wanted to do but um wasn't talented enough really to 
to pursue that. But I love all the all the things we have here in the Rocky Mountains, all the wildlife that we have to to pursue and try and photograph. That being said, I'd say my favorite thing that I've done, and I've never sold a single one of these images. I haven't figured out how to market it, but is humpback whales in the Hawaiian Islands, and trying to trying to get a good shot above water, below water, figuring out the underwater photography aspect of that. That is so awe-inspiring to me, and 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 watching their behavior, watching a creature that big kind of hurl itself out of the water and then trying to do some underwater photography too. That That is, I would say, one of the, the coolest experience I've had outdoors in nature. So I love everything we have here, but that that's probably top that of my list. Cake, huh? Top of my list, yeah. And Hawaii's pretty rough too, I mean. Yeah, it's... No, it's not the greatest place to visit, you know. Now you... <laughs> You have quite a few on your, because you have a couple pages on Instagram. You've got a family page, and then you've got your uh, commercial page, your photography page, and it looks like you guys go over there a fair bit. We've yeah, we've been fortunate as a family to go over a few times, and and uh, my family's good to let me. I think the last time we went, we probably did six or seven different whale watch excursions. So that. <laughs> Their support. I don't. I still haven't gotten the shot that I want, but they're supportive of that Excellent. pursuit, and they like to go along too. It's good. Well, Ari, would you ever admit if you got the shot? I mean, would you, why would you want you know, to put going? I know that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. I, I probably wouldn't <laughs> keep that quiet. Yeah. So, Eric, tell us a little bit about how you got into the business because you have been in, you know, since the film days. Yes. And uh, what what kind of brought you to wildlife photography in particular that's a great question i um i started out in college as an art major again trying to be clark bronson but i realized i i just didn't have the talent my hand wasn't steady enough my line wasn't good enough and so i've always had a fascination with rocky mountain wildlife and um especially antlers you know antlered animals so photography started for me after I got married I took a trip to Yellowstone a year or two after I got married and um, borrowed camera borrowed lens and I saw this elk out in this field and I just burned every roll of film that I had brought in a few minutes time trying to get a shot of this elk and they were all just terrible my my horizon lines were totally crooked most of them were out of focus but what happened was I got bit by this bug. I got bit by a lot of mosquitoes out there. <laughs> but I got bit by this bug of wildlife photography and knew that I wanted to pursue that and try and do the best that I could at it. And it was kind of a combination of all those interests of mine with wildlife art, antlered animals, or, or North American wildlife. And, um, and it gave me a creative outlet that uh, was missing when I gave up my pursuit as an as an artist. That's similar. My first wildlife photography excursion was with my father-in-law's, I think it was a Pentax camera, maybe a Minolta, uh, and a 200-millimeter lens. And uh, I took about 200 
200 shots on a 32 or 36 exposure roll of film, right? Because it didn't catch and they yep. didn't advance. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to go clear back up the mountain. That was in Glacier National Park. Had to go. We were back at the car, realized what happened. I had to go back up the mountain, find the goats again, yep. get some images, and then uh, we were we were good. Yeah, I can relate. But, no, I. That's uh, that's a familiar story for sure. Except I wasn't an art major. I I didn't even have the talent to attempt it. <laughs> you and Jason kind of run a lot of the same country then. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit there locally. Yeah. Yep. Both northern Utah. Yep. I'm a little further south, but yeah. We probably ran into each other, I don't know, six, seven years ago maybe. Yeah. Running around. Yep. That was so. probably the first time I met Jason. Yeah. Six, seven years ago. So how did you then turn that into a profession? That's, you know, I'm because still... Because as humble as you are <laughs> about your images, yeah. they are everywhere. I, I looked at, uh, I have a book, it's called Majesty, and it was all about elk. Yeah. It was all elk images. And you actually have images in that book. And I got that, I mean, that was when I first started photography. It was purchased for me as a gift. Yeah. So how did you get your start professionally? Well... I decided, I decided early on that uh, I wanted to see if I could make some money. I wanted to see if I could get published, and so just like anything, it was just tons of rejection, and I wasn't frankly very good. So it took probably five years of trying just to get something published. So guys like Jason and you know you, Ron probably didn't have quite that long of a learning curve oh, but <laughs> no, no you're right it's been a lot longer <laughs> <laughs> I, I doubt that but um so you know I, it started with a few here and there and then uh, and then I was fortunate to get aligned with the outdoor retailers uh, sportsman's warehouse especially kind of gave me a, a start with the calendars and I think this is my 19th year of having calendars and especially sportsman's warehouse nationwide so i look back on it you know and i'm like wow i can't believe they they bought that but <laughs> they did and they've stuck with me and uh you know it's just it's just part of the process trying to get better and better and keep working at it we're now in generalities jason joked before the podcast about you know we need some gps coordinates that kind of thing where where we should go to try to photograph these animals but in generalities where would be your favorite location well i love alaska and um have probably done six or seven trips to alaska in the last 10 11 years um and then also north of the border canadian Rockies, Western Canada, and then just all throughout the Intermountain West, you know, closer to home. But again, it's those, it's those North American wildlife animals that we are fortunate to have here that I've focused most of my efforts on. So Alaska is a location that we talk about often and, and maybe in some people's opinion too often because everybody hasn't been there, but it's one that just it's like a magnet once you've been there once and i had somebody tell me that and i know we've said it before once you've been there all you do is plan your next trip what is it about alaska that keeps you going back 
it's hard to describe Alaska to people who haven't been there. And I know both of you have, but um, the scope, the scale, the size of everything, until you see it, you can't really appreciate what you're looking at, whether it's, you know, Mount McKinley, the 20-plus thousand feet, or the valleys, and everything's, everything's big. And that includes the animals like the moose. I was just blown away when I saw my first Alaskan moose and compared it to the Shiras that we have in Utah. And, um, I don't know if you guys had a similar reaction, but... Absolutely. Without a doubt. It really, I, like, blew my mind difference. Yeah. Like, yeah. Shocking. Yeah. 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 And they, they don't, <clears throat> I mean, when they're walking through the tundra, the tundra's, it's, it's hard to judge because it is much deeper than it looks when, when you've got a moose that stands seven feet tall walking through it. And you got me, who's not seven feet tall. <laughs> me either. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. It's <laughs> close. We're going to get to the real thing. <laughs> but yeah, the just the size of those animals, and we were we were telling stories actually before the podcast, and talked about that you know the first time a moose actually stepped up on the road, and then you can actually see the full width, breadth, and height of that animal and they're just they're almost two of our shires moose which is hard to imagine but they're monstrous animals <laughs> now one of the stories that you shared with us before <laughs> oh, I, I knew know. you were going to go there <laughs> oh no you went there <laughs> you uh you had kind of an encounter that it ended okay but it was a little nerve-wracking for a while it sounds like yeah, yeah. I uh I got I got a too close of an encounter with an Alaskan moose where I was dumb and put myself in a bad situation. It was I think my first year in Alaska and I had heard all these stories about how, you know, especially Denali is amazing, moose, caribou, it's like the Garden of Eden, you get animals everywhere to photograph and my first day was quite the opposite of that I just worked and worked and the friend who had gone with me decided to go fishing and so he wasn't he wasn't there to help me find anything and I was just driving around spinning my wheels not finding much and later in the day I finally spot a nice bull moose out on the tundra and he's heading heading my way so I get out and kind of set up my tripod but out on the tundra as you mentioned the tundra's deceptive you sink into it it's hard to get your footing and you can't see really what you're stepping on but i was out there a ways off the road ready for this moose and he was going to crest this hill and you know offer me a nice background really excited to finally see something so that happened and here he came kind of comes up on the hill and he he stops and i'll never forget he locked his ears forward and locked his eyes on me and then he kind of let out this snort like it didn't I could tell it wasn't good <laughs> I was like oh crap if we're thinking so I, about sounds it's yeah, a negative one right? yeah that's not a good sound <laughs> like like he didn't like me being where I was and so I just grab my stuff and start across the tundra as fast as I can and it's you can't you just can't run fast on that stuff and um 
I finally make it back to the road and my timing was off. It was like once I hit the hard dirt road, I couldn't get my footing and I was just kind of stumbling, stumbling and finally fell over. And meanwhile, this big Alaskan moose is still bearing down on me and I don't have time to feel sorry for myself, feel sorry about the camera that just broke and the tumble. I just grab my stuff, make it to the truck, jump in the truck. Literally, as soon as I'm in the truck, he's at the front of the truck. And you mentioned how tall they are. He's just looking over the hood of this camper in the windshield at me. Goes around, passenger side looks in at me, and I'm just about hyperventilating. I can't catch my breath. I'm just probably in shock. He looks at me for a second, and um, I'm just thinking, don't don't move those antlers anymore because there goes this rental. <laughs> there goes this <laughs> truck. The camera, there goes all the glass. Luckily, he didn't do anything, and he continued on up the hill, and that's when I realized that I had put myself in a bad spot where there was another bull and a cow behind me that I hadn't realized or paid attention to, and that's what he was going after. I just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. So it was lucky. Lucky I didn't get hurt. Yeah, it's a good lesson learned, I'm sure. Yeah, if someone had a video of that, that'd be a pretty good... <laughs> sequence <laughs> yeah we were talking about that it's like are you are you ever like afraid of any of the animals and not maybe not afraid but more cautious around certain critters right and a lot of people think from my experience that it would be like bears or something like that which obviously absolutely should be but the ones that make me the most nervous and i think we're in the same boat here is moose and um, bison actually um, those are the two that really i feel like a, they're just massive, and B, they, they have a tendency to get ornery with folks from time to time, you know. So that was a, kind of interesting when we were having that little conversation. But, yeah, you got to respect them. Give them their, give them their space. <laughs> Agreed, yeah. Yeah, I know, I know some photographers who are comfortable around bears, grizzlies, even grizzly sow with a cub if it's a bear that they're familiar with and have seen year after year. But absolutely scared to death of elk, you know. So, because I think they've had some bad experiences like mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you, so when you photograph elk in Wyoming and Montana, mm -hmm. it's nothing compared to, and I guess sometimes Colorado. It's not something you have to concern yourself with. But I know that there's places that you guys go in the Northern Rockies, in the Canadian Rockies in particular, where those elk just kind of seem to have a different level of testosterone during the rut and they they're a little bit more aggressive yeah and that's this this friend that i was mentioning he's he lives north of the border so yeah he's had some bad experiences with some of those high testosterone elk that you mentioned um i had a i had an experience in yellowstone though where actually my wife had to save me <laughs> I, oh, really? We danced around the tree for a while, Bull and I, and she came and distracted him. So I owe her. I owe her for that one. With the years that you have have put into this industry, have you had the opportunity to mentor younger photographers at all? I actually, I actually have. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited. I have uh, a daughter and a. a 
her husband, who's a really good photographer, and um, he does, he has a more broad range of things that he likes to do, more scenery, and he, he's he's an excellent photographer. So I've had I've had an opportunity to work with him a little bit, but I, you know, I could probably learn a lot from him too. He's he's really good and a, and a good videographer too. So I think that is important though I think that's something that I wish I got my start late and I wish that I had had someone maybe to help me early on and maybe my learning curve would have been shortened, shortened. Yeah. yeah 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 that is important and I'm, you know another question I was going to ask you is you you're a family guy and how you kind of strike that balance as a professional wildlife photographer how do you strike the balance between family and and chasing those wildlife because there's certain times of the year where you're gone a lot i caught so much crap for the fact that when my first daughter was born this is the daughter that that likes photography and is actually an excellent video editor by the way she her college experience is that is good. Is to know. in line with that. So if you guys need somebody, she's <laughs> she's excellent. She was born. You know, we were talking earlier about people getting married in the fall and don't plan your wedding in September, especially because. Mm. <laughs> anyway, she was. Oh, born. by the way, <laughs> happy birthday, Faith! It's my daughter's birthday today. So uh, now that you mentioned that, I figured I better throw you, that out. Yeah. Or I'm going to be in bad trouble. You're welcome, Ron. You're welcome. <laughs> This daughter's birthday was Thursday. So she was born September 17th. And I hopped on a plane for the Canadian Rockies five days later. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, it's not one of my prouder moments, but. Um, you are a brave man. I've caught, I've caught some flack for that one over the years. But yeah, it's tough. And so. I never, yeah, I never wanted to be one of those that was just gone all the time, and that really wasn't even an option for me with my family. So you just do the best you can, and and uh, thank goodness for understanding spouse and kids that support you, especially in the fall. That's when I find I'm gone the most. But. Yeah, for sure. The fall is tough, and with kids in sports it makes it you know sports or other activities it makes it tougher during certain times of the year but the fall especially for what you do is i mean you have to be going non-stop almost yeah it's really prime time for most of us right uh, spring and spring for me and and fall are about the same there's a few things that i like to photograph in the winter time but i uh i could not imagine not being able to get out in the fall it's funny how many of us live for September. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. True. You grow up in the West and you just can't wait to hear that sound again, right? Nope. Nope. Got some good audio this morning. And it was it was not just bugles, but there was a lot of cows that were being very vocal. Um, some kind of sounded like probably hyper estrus type calls. And, yeah. and uh, just... I mean, I could just sit out there and li and not take a picture, or sit out there and listen, I think, and I, be almost as happy. 
Yeah, I think you should do that tonight. Almost as happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, for our listeners, Jason has got his uh, his Canon lenses. Yeah. But he yeah. does not have a Canon body. I'm a trader, I guess. <laughs> I've got a Canon body, but I don't have the lens. <laughs> so we may be striking a striking a deal a this compromise. evening. <laughs> Trade back and forth. <laughs> now, Eric, you have switch to a mirrorless system also yes how are you liking that it's just brand new for me just a couple weeks so this trip was really the first test with the new combo the r5 and the 1 to 500 lens um so far really really pleased with what i see fairly small sample size so far but loving the autofocus tracking that you've talked about on your podcast and mike i think mentioned before but now, have you found that, because Mike was having trouble with the I, animal IAF, have you been able to use that, or are you just... I've used that more than anything, yeah, and uh, it hasn't been perfect, but I feel like I'm getting a higher percentage of keepers than without it. So my my review so far is positive. Again, still learning. I haven't had, I haven't stretched it out to the 500 range and used the autofocus eye tracking at that distance yeah at that distance as much i feel like it may be a slightly slower with the autofocus when it's extended out to the limit Mm -hmm. um but yeah again my sample size is pretty small that's good to know something to pay attention to tell us about the rest of your gear kind of what's your setup look like this is a transition year for me with gear um i i sold quite a few things earlier this year in anticipation of the r5 and uh i sold i sold the two to four hundred canon zoom that was a great lens i sold some other lenses sold a a body um and so now i just have 600 i have 70 to 200 and um i have the 1dx2 and this new R5 with the 1 to 5. So, and then I, ha- I have a, f- a fisheye lens I use when I do the Hawaii stuff. Mm. You know, like underwater stuff? Yeah, underwater stuff. Do you have a housing and stuff too, or you just you rent know, one? I've rented, rented when I've done it. Yeah. yeah. That's expensive. Yeah. yeah. If you're not using it all the time. Yeah. Very true. Very but. true. So, you, you mainly do wildlife, or have you gotten, have you dabbled in other stuff too? Um, your photography? Yeah, it's mainly wildlife and and scenic or scenic wildlife combo if I get the chance. Yeah. So I do find sometimes that I'm shooting more for the customer. Like mm-hmm. like I've noticed sometimes I get in a rut and my photography is all verticals for magazines and and I wish I could just get that big scenic with with the elk herd and the mountain in the background and you know those are those are so nice. So, well, and this is this is what I found when I switched from the Canon system to the Nikon D850 and that, you know, high resolution sensor, mm-hmm. is that you can almost do both. You can get the vertical out of yeah, the landscape, and still have plenty of information for that file, especially for a magazine. Yeah, because that's the one that has a crop factor. 
no, 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 not just oh, the crop yeah. factor. Where it's, it's got the, the 46 megapixel yeah. sensor, oh, yeah. which the R5 does yeah. now too. So right. that may be something that you find you can do more of and and have it both ways almost. Good point, yeah. yeah. I had one this morning that I took it in landscape format, and when I looked at it, it just should have been vertical, but it will be. <laughs> <laughs> it also will be when I'm done, so... So how much do you find out, in talking to Mark, I know different entities um, have different feelings on this. How much of your editing do you do versus allowing them artistic freedom once you've sold the image to to a customer? My experience has been that, for the most part, they're not changing too much. They want you to Um, have it print ready. Yeah, yeah. Um, that said, I, you know, there have been situations where they've done some things, whatever, to make the shot more text friendly, um, you know, maybe change the color. So, but I, but that's definitely the exception, my experience. So any big plans coming up? I know COVID's been kind of an, you know, interesting situation. We've talked about it all year on the podcast, right? And it's, uh, you know, I, I know it's one of those things that we're all fighting through and trying to just get through this year and hopefully things get better here soon. But um, any, first of all, any big plans you missed this year and maybe kind of what are some of your big adventures you have on the horizon? Yeah, we were all impacted by Absolutely. COVID, weren't we? Yeah. It's been hard to plan anything. Um, f- for me, I usually have gone north once or twice by now and um so that that hasn't happened this year uh, that includes possibly a trip to alaska that i wanted to do but wasn't able to so hopefully 2021 some of those things will be possible again yeah for all of us absolutely you know? absolutely um it's frustrating to spend all these years going places that you want to go and having the good fortune to do some of these trips. And then I feel like this year it was kind of taken away yeah. from us. Yeah. So i got a question for you along that line. Cause I mean, I, I try to be a fairly positive guy, half cup full or <laughs> cup is half full. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's tomato, tomato. tomato yeah. <laughs> um, but this, you know, this year it's been hard for me, for some, but then I got to realize what I'm complaining about. You know, for example, I didn't get to go to Alaska and do my bear trip. But here I am with a very, you know, I'm blessed with a very good family, a lot of really good friends. And, you know, I did get to try to kind of focus on some more local opportunities and wildlife opportunities that I would have normally not done because I'd have been out chasing other things. So I don't know if, did you find similar kind of a situation for you? You know, I did. And I'm, my daughter really, I give her credit because she's, for several years gone out to the west desert and with her boyfriend now husband and and watched and photographed the wild horses and i never really took much interest in it and i don't know why that is i I, maybe it's because they don't have antlers i don't know (laughs) but uh this year because we couldn't go other places and that's fairly close to home I made, I think, three or four trips 
sometimes I think I was there right after right you. Before or after, yeah. yeah you yeah. were, Jason, but <laughs> um, that was so fun. That was just, you know, some incredible action, behavior um, of that West Desert herd. And so definitely that'll be something I do again in the future. And I don't know that I would have done it if it hadn't been for COVID forcing us to look for other things. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah, we're fortunate to have that. And a lot of people don't realize that people travel from yeah. around the country to go photograph those specific horses, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of amazing that we have it right in our backyard. And, you know, I don't think I took care, took advantage of it very often until, you know, the last couple of years really, but but it, it is actually fun to go out there and do it, huh? It is fun. I mean, it's crazy. <clears throat> you think the horses just kind of stand around in a field, and when you get out there at those, you know, those feral horses, it's a whole different ball game. They're it very is. aggressive and very active most of the time. But so much behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So you guys are gonna force me to go do this, aren't you? To do what? To horses? Wild horses? Absolutely. Yeah, well, I'm I, not gonna I, force you. you but I grew I up on a horse ranch, so I've just, you've I've just never, never seen them as wildlife. Aren't there, isn't Wyoming one of the places that has? Wyoming's got several herds, yeah. And, they, yeah. and not only several herds, but a, a couple of them are in very, very good locations. I mean, very scenic and a lot of moody weather. They kind of, this mountain range actually that comes around Yellowstone National Park and then along the Wyoming-Montana border, it kind of just holds storms in there. So you get some nice moody skies and then you've got the big, you know, Devil's Canyon area. Um, that you can photograph as well, but it uh, it's something that I've just never taken the opportunity to do, kind of like you guys have just said. Well, here's the cool thing about the the horses is there is no real season. No. You can do it year-round. Go all the time. Right, and their behavior's year-round. They yeah. breed year-round. So, I mean, you're always going to have an opportunity to catch some neat behaviors, and, just and when there's nothing else going on, it's a great opportunity. Right. Yeah. So just got an invite to go down to a a roundup. So they're doing a adoption thing, mm -hmm. trying to thin the herd down. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to do a roundup on October 5th. So if you guys aren't doing anything, it's about halfway between both of us. So that might be a might be a fun shoot. Yeah. Yeah, they do that at most of those herds from time to time to kind of yeah. try to manage them, but we won't get into the politics behind the feral horse issue. There's a no, lot. No, there. there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> yep. That yep. could be a, a two podcasts you know, all yeah. on its own. Emotional <laughs> issue. Yes, yeah, very emotional for sure. But Eric, what would be the one piece of advice you would give to somebody trying to start now? It's because things have changed a bit. Yes. Right? From when you came into the industry, there was competition, but now these nice camera setups are accessible to just about everyone and there's a lot of people out shooting wildlife where before it was it was kind of a select few right yeah something kind of the barriers to entry have gone down so it's easier for people to get in get started yeah good question i think the main thing is to just maybe take care not to do what I mentioned earlier and, and and shoot things that you think other people might want. I mean, you have to do that somewhat if you want to sell to customers. You have to. But if it's your passion, just go. 
and do it and do the things that make you happy, shoot the things that make you happy. And, and if you love it and you're passionate about it and, and you keep after it, you know, I, I've taken hundreds of thousands of images and I still haven't taken the perfect image. And that's my quest. That is why I love photography. Yeah. I'm a, people wouldn't know it, but I'm a perfectionist and I always need to be driven to the next thing. And once I'm not, yeah, then I get bored and sit around and don't do anything. But photography is something that you can never conquer, in my opinion. It's there's always going to be something different, something better. You're going to look at an image that, you know, Jason's image. I can't imagine anything different that I would have done in that one. That elk coming into the mm. the sunlight. But when you're looking at it, you know, people looking at it from the outside, that's phenomenal image. But when when Jason looks at her, when we look at it ourselves, there's always just one thing that we could have done different or could have done better that gets us out there for the next one. Absolutely. Yeah, that's an iconic image for sure. <laughs> that's but one of those those things that just keeps driving you in right when you think you might have figured it out or whatever, right? You know, you just learn something new. And, you know, how often do we talk about you look at some of your images even from the previous season. Right. And think, I really thought that was a good image. And as we grow in this this photography game, you you realize that there's it could be small things to you. Most people would never even realize it, but to yourself, you know, you you pick up on those things and go, man, I could have done that a lot better. If this, if that, if I'd have been thinking this way, you know. And it's just, it's I love it. You're right. It's just such a such a cool thing to just drive you and keeps the passion alive for sure. But. It's it's all about the process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's all about trying to get better. And, yeah, you look back, you know, I look back at those first images and I can't believe how <laughs> horrible they are. But I keep them just so I remember. Yeah. I do, too. I have a scrapbook that <coughs> yep. yeah. I have all my first ones that I thought were so great. I keep them in there. Yeah. I When I do slideshows for scout groups or whatever, you know, community groups, um, I include those first that first trip, those totally. out of focus, horizon line at a slant, you know, and just... Buffalo's walking up a 75-degree... <laughs> horrible, <laughs> horrible images, and, uh, you know, it give, I think it gives us all hope that if you're, to those starting out, if you're passionate and that's what you want to do, I'll just, you, just remember it's the process. Amen. That's a good pro tip. That's a really good pro tip, Absolutely. And and I just add to it maybe a little because it just made me think of it. I love that whole idea where we can kind of help each other think of ideas. But I've also tried to really focus lately on trying to enjoy just the journey, and and it's it plays into the process. But just to to like be there, you know, and be in the moment and enjoy it, and don't be so critical, and you know, just enjoy the fact that you learned a new thing, and now you got something else you can focus on and learn, and you know, just in, be in the journey. I think too many younger photographers coming in maybe get a little hurried and they want to be you know they want to be that you know have the most amazing images now and they want to get published now you know and it's i don't know to me it's like and I, and I wasn't any different i think a lot of us were that way but i've learned i think to just kind of slow down a little bit and just enjoy it and just let it come and, ha and let the process the process is the fun part for sure
But that's a good pro. That's a really good pro tip. Sometimes it's hard to remember that, but yeah, for sure. But it is the process. And as competitive as this field is, like we talked about a little bit ago, one of the things that I enjoy most is the same thing that I enjoyed, you know, when I was training at the academy is the people that you get to meet. You know, we have, for the first time ever in Wild and Exposed history, we have a live audience. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think they they're might be bored to death. They're bored. But yeah. <laughs> but I th it, the people that you meet out there... Uh, it makes it fun for me just and just the people that you bump into and you find out that there's a lot of folks out there that are like-minded not just in the photography realm but like-minded in other ways as well you have a lot of commonality with and uh, just build those new relationships those fresh relationships from from your passion I think that you know gives us all opportunities to to network to get out to different areas and and do those kind of things. So it's a great opportunity that photography provides for us as long as we don't find ourselves in that mindset that we have to only get images that nobody else can get. You know, there are times where that's definitely the case, but I think, uh, you know, there are times like this where it's it's good to have some friends and just go out and enjoy yeah. enjoy these opportunities together. And it, and it kind of gets to your mentoring question earlier too, Ron, that... You know, as long as, as long as you're willing to share some of your knowledge and as long as we understand that we're all in that same pursuit, we're all trying to take the perfect picture. And I've learned so much from other friends and fellow photographers that that's really probably been the biggest help to me. You know, even though sometimes we compete, but... But it's a, it's a great community, and I, I have such good friends that are photographers, so. Yep, for sure. I love it. I love the, the competition can be kind of fun, too, especially if you don't take it too serious, you know. It can be kind of fun, so. But yeah, it's fun to when you sit after a shoot and you sit there, and I listened to you and another photographer today sitting there talking about the tech and the cameras and helping each other. How did you do this? How did you say? I mean, everybody's willing to share. You know, and I love that. That's just so cool that people are willing to. Most of the people I meet in this in this industry or this world, this photography world, are willing to do that kind of stuff. You know, and it's, you know, you you might feel like some people might feel like you're giving away a secret or something, but I don't ever feel like that. You know, I think it's it's kind of cool that where everybody's willing to help each other. But a secret's going to be revealed one at some point. So you sure. might as well help somebody get the right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well said. Well, Eric, I greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your field time to to visit with us and your your knowledge your drive obviously and most of all i mean i only met you last fall face to face i mean obviously online we've seen each other there but um just your humility given somebody of your stature in the industry has been something that I've appreciated and, and kind of is a breath of fresh air. No, oh, thank so, you. Thanks thank for you having for me, too. It's been fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. Wait, wait, listen. Did you hear that? I guess you just heard a bugle. Probably, time to go. Probably a good time to yeah. wrap it up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of Wild and Exposed, and we look forward to joining you again in a week. From southern Wyoming from way south Wyoming. <laughs>
You've been listening to Wild and Exposed Podcast. Thanks maybe, for tuning in. Maybe even into Colorado. You've been listening to the Wild and Exposed Podcast. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating and a review. And make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We're gonna make it someday. Nothing's gonna get in our way. We will be the biggest band in time.